The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. Tuesday on the 630 Chad Afternoon News, we usually do the hoot. <laughs> you didn't give me a chance to join you. We usually here, do it on go. Monday, but the we weren't here. The hoot. On Monday, but we're going to do it today. Rob Roach, the uh, Director of Insight Economics and Research, joining us this afternoon. Rob, you want to talk about arts and the economy today. Yes, and I think this is uh, an important topic to revisit. It comes up a lot, but think about it maybe in a little bit different way, because we often think of you know the economy as one world, and the arts are this sort of separate world off to the side. It's kind of like those old trays that you'd see <laughs> in uh, movies, mm. in prisons, and they put the, the meat and potatoes in one uh, compartment and then the dessert in another. And we, we tend to think of the arts as that. It's sort of the dessert. And, you know, maybe we could do without it if, if we had to. And I think that attitude makes us not fully appreciate all the things that the arts do for our economy as well as our quality of life. Well, I think a lot of people think the arts are, are the luxury, are the things mm-hmm. that you get to do once you've done everything else, you've paid everything else, and oftentimes the arts would be on people's minds to cut first if needed. Yeah, and I think that's the, um, that's the attitude that I think is worthwhile to change because the arts aren't sort of a separate thing that if you cut, you can just live without. They're more like you know, instead of that tray with different compartments, if we think of a big bowl of spaghetti, um, the arts are mixed in there with land, labor, and capital, and all those other things that make the economy work. And you have to get all the ingredients right, or the whole dish suffers. So in a way, the arts are, are, any other, are like any other form of public infrastructure. We need roads, we need schools, we need water treatment uh, facilities. We also need a really great art sector. And broadly defined, this isn't just sort of... Um, classical arts like the ballet and the orchestra. It's everything. It's comedy festivals, it's rock and roll shows, it's the busker on the street corner. It's all those things um, are part of that infrastructure that makes for a good economy. So at the crux of your argument is that having those things makes the city more attractive for both workers, skilled, and investment, I suppose? Yeah, that's a, that's a big part of it, Andrew. And another part of it is, you know, we think of uh, recently, there was a discovery down here in Calgary at the University of Calgary. Um, a scientist named Ian Gates, an engineer, discovered how to make these um, pellets out of bitumen so we could maybe ship them um, safely by truck and, and rail or safer. And it was an accident. He was trying to figure out a way to actually do the opposite, make the, the bitumen more higher grade instead of lower grade. And without, you know, I can't speak for what, what, what sparked Ian's idea to say, well, what if we actually use this in a whole different way than I was thinking? But one would think that exposure to the arts and all their different forms helps spur that creativity. And that's the kind of employees and entrepreneurs we need here in Alberta and, and across the country. And if you're not exposing yourself to literature and dance and music and all those great things that the arts provide, you know, it's hard to imagine those good ideas coming to the fore uh, in the way that they do and the way that we need them to. I also love the way the arts will tend to bring a community together. And, you know, you talk about concerts and you look, you know, down in Calgary, Garth Brooks just did a whole set of, uh, you know, sold out shows. He did the same thing in Edmonton. Everyone was talking about it. Everyone was having a blast. It was like during the Oilers playoff run last year. It was kind of like all coming together for that little time and being excited about something. And that's a, that's a great point because we also know that um, economies do better when people trust each other, when they meet each other and, and socialize. 
and the arts, what a great way. You know, sports is another way. To, it's not the only way. But arts events, cultural events, they bring people together. They show different perspectives, get people thinking and meeting each other. And that actually has a huge economic benefit. Hard to put a dollar figure on, but one that we know from research and from, you know, common sense. Without that, you don't attract people to your city. You don't get people meeting each other, working together. And then the economy suffers, even if you've got all the land, labor, and capital, the traditional elements in the world. Well, Rob, trust me when I tell you I want you to win this argument, but I feel <laughs> I feel obligated to point out what I see as the obvious glitch to the argument. And here's the obvious glitch. If you're talking about public funds, uh, and that's, by the way, people criticize how much all levels of government invest in the arts for the reasons that they don't understand your argument that you've just made. But when it comes to private funds, um, when companies decide that they can't afford to sponsor mm-hmm. a festival this year, right? I think there's a pretty legitimate argument on the part of the private company to say, hey, I know we need roads, but I don't, my company doesn't pay for the roads. And I know we need arts, but my, why should my company be the one that pays for those arts? Why, you know, why shouldn't my taxes pay for those arts? Yeah, and again, you know, it is a, it is a complex debate. Where I think the public and private piece comes in is, you know, when we think about educating our kids, we know that um, jobs in the STEM sector, that science, technology, engineering, and math, they tend to pay better. And so I hear some people say, I'm not going to let my kid ever, you know, study dance or drama or, God forbid, become a comedian. Or yeah. Like that. But we also know that, that those, um, those jobs are also good jobs. Not everyone wants to be in science, technology, engineering, and math. And even those in those careers do well because they've been exposed to the arts. So I think when a business says, you know, if they're really going to about to go under if they, they fund the local arts festival, you know, that's one thing. But if they can find the money to keep supporting it um, as a private company or as a person who goes and, and, and views the arts or encourages their kids, that helps keep those things alive. And, you know, it is a debate about how much should be public and private, but the more we think of it as infrastructure rather than the dessert uh, mm-hmm. next to the meat and potatoes, I think we'll help get ourselves around, get our minds around that very issue. Yeah, it's an interesting topic for sure. And you know I've got a dog in the race. But, you know, one of the ways that I see that actually working out um, is that most grant streams require an equal or greater amount of of private investment in order to get matching public funds. And I actually really, really agree with that. Although in the economy that we've been through the last couple of years, I'm sure a lot of... Um, uh, festivals and arts presentations have found it more difficult to find that private money. Um, but that would be the other argument that I would make, is that you're required to find that money, though. And if you can't find that money, there is no public money available to you. So the other argument that I guess I just want to have out and on the record is that is that you do need that private investment or, or you're done. Absolutely. I mean, and there's a market test to these things. I mean, the arts whether it's uh, you know, a movie that you're making for Hollywood right through to um, interpretive dance. These things, um, you know, they're not required to be there. Citizens aren't you know, expected to just fund everything. But there is, a, I guess, what I'm, the, the point that, that I'm trying to make, right, is that the more we think of the arts as having that longer-term benefit of helping to train our minds to be creative as outlets for ideas, that they're not quite just sort of as easily cut when you think of them in those economic um, terms, 
as that's sort of where I think our heads need to go to. Yeah, we might make some different decisions. You know, maybe the better example, I'm trying to think of a better analogy, but maybe the better example would be we don't really need fitness centers um, and swimming pools. Um, but on the other hand, if we have those things, the cost of health care down the road is far less. It, it sometimes is hard to make as direct a connection between those two things as, as the one you're trying to make between arts and, and uh, you know, the welfare of an economy. But, I, but I, do, I, I do believe what you're saying to be true, of course. Yeah, and as part of it, you know, we're, you know, the world is moving towards even more of a knowledge economy. And we're lucky in Alberta we have natural resources. But even harvesting those resources... The problem-solving and creativity that goes into that is, is, has always been there, and it's ramping up, not down. And I think we, we at our peril, we, we think about making the arts uh, a luxury that we cut first. Um, we need to think about, we need to find a way to have math and uh, drama and not cut one or the other. We need both. <laughs> there you go, Rob Roach joining us this afternoon for this week's edition of The Hoot. Hoot. Rob, we'll talk to you next week. You bet. Thanks a lot. Thank you. And Rob had mentioned, uh, he'd mentioned harvesting in there just briefly in a different thing. Curious to know, Chadville, if you're out there doing the harvest today, how's it going? I've heard uh, I've farmers heard it's been, quite happy. Yeah, I've heard yeah. that it's been really, really that good. That extra week of uh, summer the helped warm out. warm weather, yep. yeah, for sure. But I'd love to know at 6.30, 6.30. Just before the break, I asked how harvest was going. I loved it uh, out by my place the other day. I think it was Friday night driving home. It was so it was really warm. The guys were out uh, doing the harvest. And by guys, I'm not saying this. Just There's three guys around the edge of the truck. Mm. And they had their, their dinner out there. And the sun was, it was just that beautiful gold. And they were having their dinner the back end of a truck. I wish I had pulled over and taken a, a picture. I just thought it was just so classic, uh, you know, Alberta. Uh, going well, south of Camrose, over half done. Great news. And Kathy's on the phone this afternoon. Hey, Kathy. Hi, how are you? Good. What's going on out uh, your neck of the woods? Good, good. We're uh, in northeast Edmonton. We have land out behind Alchemical and out by Lamont. And uh, we just kind of started about last week, uh, off and on between a little bit of rain showers, but things are going pretty smoothly. Awesome. My husband's still smiling, so that's good. <laughs> Here's a question for you from a, you know, from a city slicker who um, um, doesn't know much about this stuff. Right. How do you know, how do you decide when you're going to bring the crops down? Um, it depends on when you planted them. So okay. the maturity of, of the plant. So a lot of the wheat uh, was... Um, planted later on in May so the maturity is going to be later than say if it was planted the beginning of May so it depends on um, it depends on the soil it depends on the hmm. moisture in the soil it depends on how much sun it gets yeah. it, there's a lot of variables hey as long as we're admitting we don't know anything about it um, okay what's a common day during harvest get up at and go to bed at oh um, a full day. Um, uh, my husband is out the door at 8 because uh, you can't really do anything because of the dew in the morning. Uh -huh. So that kind of stops you from getting out there first thing. But usually by 1 o'clock or noon, everything's ready to go. And if there's a wind and um, the heat is still, uh, you know, it's still warm, you can go till you know, whenever moisture hits in, in, in the early hours of the morning. Yeah, I've hmm. seen guys out by my place with the big lights on, and it's it's pitch black out there, and just have the big Wait lights on on the vehicles. You're saying work all, all yeah. night? Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. When turn the lights how on did I not know that yeah. before? Really? Oh, 
yeah, it's it's huge. As a matter of fact, uh, a sidebar here. My husband was helping a friend of his who didn't finish last year. He was combining December 1st. Wow. December 1st. December 1st, yeah. <laughs> wow. Okay, here, here, here's a question for you. <laughs> What's the difference between combining and swathing? Oh, swathing, you're cutting it down and it goes into rows. Yes. Combining, you're just straight combining. There's no cutting prior. It's, oh, okay. Uh, you're just taking the combine out to the field and, and cutting the field back and forth. When you're swathing, you're cutting it into rows. And then the combine comes behind and picks it up. Okay, because the guy out at my out by my place just swathed the canola then, and it's oh. all in rows. And I guess he's waiting to come that's through it exactly. all and get all yeah, the little. That's exactly. Yeah. Okay. okay uh, last last question for you since uh, since we've got you, <laughs> because I'm genuinely curious. I really am. Okay. Um, so there's to the farm and, and participate. I, I'm not. I'm not that thing. curious. <laughs> I've actually swathed before. Really? I have, yeah, just out by the airport. Some people had yeah. us out there. It was great. Um, you know, it sounds like... combine the, driver. Well, do I get to drive the combine? Yes, yes. Really? And they pretty much, mm. the, they're pretty fancy anymore. Those oh, I know. Those fancy high flute. Oh, no, you can, you can land really a man on the moon with those things. You really don't even need to, to, um, to steer it. Because so it's, of the satellite system. Yeah. It's like an airline pilot. Uh, is, here's, what I, here's what I wanted to ask, because I know over mm-hmm. the years I've heard a lot of comedians tell a joke along the same lines about farmers. And the joke is that the Canadian government pays you not to grow certain crops. Um, and the joke, as told by different comedians, is they don't understand why the most profitable, profitable field is not just dirt. So is that true that the government pays, or has it the ever been true? Has, the government has nothing to do with farmers anymore. When the Canadian Wheat Board was around, they kind of had uh, rules, I guess, unsung rules saying that, you know, you should plant this and you should plant that because there's lots of this plant being planted in the state. Right. So, um, so maybe you think about this, but now the, the, the Wheat Board is no longer viable and uh, uh, farmers are on their own now to hmm. plant what they feel they're their field can handle and you don't plant peas on peas and you don't plant wheat on wheat it's always kind of interchanged mm, okay. rotate it right yeah so you, you're going to put marijuana into the rotation absolutely that's <laughs> going to be hidden between the uh the pea, the pea crop <laughs> okay then then we'll be out on yeah, the weekend yeah, let me know when that's done <laughs> we'll come do some no, combining we're just joking neither of us have a clue neither of us have a clue about that either yeah so. that's true right. And then I'll have to make extra meals for you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or at the very least, snacks. Yeah. <laughs> Lots of snacks, absolutely. Kathy, thank you so much for giving us You're a call. Welcome. Appreciate it. It was, a, it was my first time calling, too, so thank you very much for taking my call. Oh, that was awesome. Thank you so much, um, Kathy, farming out uh, northeast uh, Edmonton area. Uh, how about this one? Kamba? Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, oh, 700 grand for a new combine. Mm. Hey, it's Wyatt from south of Stony Plain. Harvest has been going well. Weather is nice except for tomorrow's rain, but we need it. Snow complaints this year. Nice. And then everyone's explaining combining Combining and and swathing swathing now. Wow. There you go. Thank you, everybody. The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad.